0: Merry New Year and welcome to another installment of It's About Time. We are a DC Sports Podcast. Happy 2019 to all of you that are listening. I hate to disappoint you guys today. Unfortunately, it's just me, Nate. Uh, Josh was unable to make it today due to uh, scheduling conflicts, etc. But we will be back at it next Monday. It is January 10th, 2019. It is Thursday, January 10th. We will be back at it together next Monday, We've got a lot of great things to talk about. He and I are going to be starting a weight loss competition, which we will be, uh, I guess, documenting every week. Uh, there's uh, some money involved in it. It is a uh, We're going to do it by percentage of body weight lost. It'll go on for two months. and uh, We've done this once before. We did it about 10 years ago. It was a lot of fun. Josh won that round. One thing that you'll hear, especially when we talk about it regarding Josh, He is uh, as competitive as they come, and if it takes him not eating for two weeks in order to lose weight, then that's what he's going to do. I'm pretty sure, because we're weighing in Monday morning, I'm pretty sure he's going to spend all weekend eating as much as he can so that his weight is as high as it can be before we get started on Monday. But anyway, we're going to jump right in. I appreciate you guys joining joining me today. Uh, it's going to be a kind of a loose, po- uh, podcast. I'm not sure how long it'll go. I'm not sure it'll be the standard hour to hour and 15 minutes. I, I want to talk about the Redskins a little bit. Their season ended. Uh, and then the Nationals made some news today as they continue to add to their team for 2019. So we'll talk about that a little bit as well. Uh, before we begin, we're going to remind you guys, we are affiliated with the DMV sports network.com. They are a local, uh, DC sports website. That covers all, thing DC, all things DC sports, uh, professional sports, college sports. They even cover MMA, fantasy football, whatever you need. You go to their website. They've got great content, written content. They've got great podcasts. We're one of the podcasts that is affiliated with them. They release one a day. Uh, and We are part of that great lineup. So please check them out, DMVSportsNetwork.com, and also on Twitter, at DMV underscore SN. So let's get started with the old Washington Redskins. They ended their season about two weeks ago now in truly pathetic fashion. We took last week off. I really didn't want to talk about... I wasn't breaking down a game that they got shellacked in. I wasn't going to do that. And I figured, let's just start fresh in 2019. But they ended their season in truly pathetic fashion. The stadium was completely taken over by Eagles fans, and all I can say to that is good. you know why why would any Redskin fan in their right mind go to that game? Uh, the Redskins got shut out, they looked listless. It was as big as, big of a thud as you could think of at the end of a football season. Now Dan Snyder won't get the message that the fans sent him, but at least the message was sent. And it looked terrible on TV. It got national coverage. Scott Van Pelt made it his uh, one big thing at the end of one of his sports centers about how a once-proud franchise was now so meek and so pathetic. Um, I, have to, I hate to say this to you guys. It looks like 2019 is going to be a bit more of the same. i got to say I genuinely feel bad for Ryan Kerrigan, John Allen, Deron Payne, Trent Williams, Brendan Sheriff, Tress Way. Dustin Hopkins, Jordan Reed. I could go on. I feel bad for them. Look, I know they're well-paid, and for some of them, when you're talking about Ryan Kerrigan, Trent Williams, they signed to be here. They signed extensions, so they wanted to stay, but I feel bad for them, man. They deserve better than this. They deserve to be in a place where there is realistic hope, where the franchise is run well, and where the idea of playing into January is nothing more than a pipe dream like it is here in Washington. Playing in January consistently is something we did 30 years ago. It's not something we do now. Every glimmer of hope that this franchise has had for the past 20 years has been smothered by its owner and by the front office. Some news dropped right after Christmas. Brian LaFamina, who was brought in by Dan Snyder in early 2018 to help repair the relationship between the Washington Redskins and their season ticket base, he and a bunch of his staff were fired. LaFamina, was, a couple of the big things that he did when he came in was that he said the waiting list that they had been touting for 20-plus years was a myth didn't exist anymore. They were going to start being transparent. They were going to start telling the truth to their fan base. They stopped selling to second-party sites. And as a result, the stadium was 65%, 70% full. And, but the experience was better. There was better food. Uh, the fans were genu- genuinely happier with the way things were going. But Dan Snyder didn't like it. Dan Snyder felt embarrassed because the stadium wasn't full. He felt embarrassed because he thought that just hiring Brian LaFamina would fill the stadium back up and return the fan base to its glory days, and it's just not that quick of a fix. The funny thing is, Dan Snyder apparently spent over a year courting LaFamina, who was a, a, prior to that at NFL headquarters. LaFamina is a widely respected executive, business side executive in the NFL The Redskins firing him less than a year after they hired him is as embarrassing as they get. It's a circus in Ashburn, an absolute circus, and unfortunately there is no end in sight. So it's going to lead me, I'm just going to pose one question today. It leads me to my one question. It was taken from a statement that my cousin Stephen texted me earlier today. He said, the Redskins are going to be the worst team in the NFL next year. That's a pretty it's a pretty big statement that the Redskins the Redskins have been one of one of the worst teams in the NFL for years. Uh you know, they'll occasionally spike up. The last four years they have spiked up to mediocrity. But in aggregate, over the last twenty years, the Redskins have been one of the worst franchises record-wise, the way they're run, all of that in the entire NFL. But the question is My one question is, will the Redskins be the absolute worst team in the NFL next year? And if so, if they're going to be the worst team in the NFL next year, my question is, how long are they going to be the worst team in the NFL? It's a tough question. And I hate to tell you this, but in my mind, if you thought the last 20 years under Dan Snyder were dismal, the next five-plus years, in my opinion, are going to be much, much worse. You know why Jay Gruden is still here? Do you know why he's still the coach of the Washington Redskins in 2019? Listen, I was a big fan of Jay. Big, I am a big fan of Jay. I was a big proponent of bringing him back. But the main reason he's still here is because no one will come here. To steal a lyric from one of my favorite artists, Bruce Springsteen, Washington is a death trap. It's a suicide rap. You got to get out while you're young. Sean McVeigh Sean escaped. Kyle Shanahan escaped. Hell, even Matt LaFleur escaped. Think about that for a second. There are now three head coaches in the National Football League that coached under Mike Shanahan while he was in here in D.C. Sean McVay, head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, who got a first-round bye, They'll be playing this weekend. Kyle Shanahan, head coach in San Francisco, has a franchise quarterback in Garoppolo who got hurt this year. And now Matt LaFleur, head coach of Green Bay, and he's got himself a shiny new toy in Aaron Rodgers. And they were all here in D.C. under Mike Shanahan. I got to tell you, man, my how things have changed here in Washington. The coaches that are still here apparently want out. Bill Callahan, who is still under contract and who I absolutely love, the guy schemes up an offensive line wonderfully. I love Bill Callahan. I think that he has had garbage to work with the last two years, not because of by any fault of his own, but just due to sheer injuries. He's had garbage to deal with, and he's still put together Look, Adrian Peterson over, had over a1,000 yards rushing this year, over a thousand yards rushing. Callahan wants out. Jim Tomsula, defensive line coach, who is no longer under contract, his contract expired, has also said that he's done. The Skins had interest in Todd Bowles, the recently fired New York Jets head coach. He quickly passed. He's gone. He's down in Tampa Bay with Bruce Arians. I believe that's where he landed. This is the Jim Zorn situation all over again. Remember Jim Zorn? Dan Snyder went out and got Jim Zorn, who was the quarterback's coach in Seattle, made Jim Zorn his offensive coordinator. Before he had a head coach, this was after Joe Gibbs abruptly retired for the second time. Before he had a head coach, he's like, I'm going to get the best, the brightest offensive mind." He got Jim Zorn as his offensive coordinator. Then he realized no head coaches want to come here. Not when you have an offensive coordinator that's already picked for them. So what did he do? He had to save face, or these try to save face. He named Jim Zorn the head coach. Listen, I like Jay Gruden, and I believe with decent personnel, he could be an above-average head coach. But I'd imagine that if Snyder was able to make a move right now, he would. You've got to ask yourself, is there enough money in the world to get Nick Saban here from Alabama? How about Bill Cowher? Can we get him? out of uh, the CBS studios or potentially let's make a trade with Baltimore for John Harbaugh as they're saying, they're rumoring that uh, Miami wants to do the Dolphins want to try to make a trade with Baltimore for John Harbaugh. The, those scenarios, those three things be it Bill Coward, Nick Saban, John Harbaugh. That's what the old Dan Snyder would have done. That's what the Dan Snyder in the early two thousands would have done. That was the bring Joe Gibbs out of retirement. That was the go get Mike Shanahan. He would have played that hand if he had that hand to play. He doesn't. He's stuck with Jay Gruden. I think it's the best he can do. I like Jay. I don't think that there's much better than him out there currently. There were, what, 12 open positions in the NFL this year? I mean, the Redskins, if they had fired Jay Gruden, would have been at the bottom of the list to be able to get a candidate. The fact is the best that Dan Snyder can do in 2019 is the same cast of characters, and yes, ladies and gentlemen, I believe that that includes Greg Minuski back as your defensive coordinator. That's the state of the franchise in 2019. But let's get back to the original question. Will the Redskins be the worst team in football next year and if so, for how long? Jay in his five seasons here has gone four and 12, nine and seven, eight, seven and one. 7-9 and 7-9. and nine. Jay is now the fifth winningest coach in Washington Redskins history with a whopping 35 wins. The names ahead of him are probably not a surprise to most people. Joe Gibbs, uh, George Allen, Ray Flaherty, who coached in the 30s and 40s, and then Nor- Norv Turner, who was here for how many seasons? Seven. Jay has coached the fourth most games in Skins history, Jay's teams the last four years have teetered from slightly above average at 9-7 or 8-7-1 to just downright mediocre the last two years at 7-9. Next year, perhaps his final in Washington could be his worst. The Redskins' worst season in the last three decades was in 1994, That was Norv Turner's first year in the NFL. The Skins went 3-13. They've had a couple of 4-12 seasons since then, one of which, the most recent of which, I should say, being Jay's first season here. But the Skins went 3-13 in 1994 under Norv Turner. Anybody out there remember that season? I was 10 years old. Uh, I barely remember it. But what I do remember was Heath Shuler's first season. He started eight games with a quarterback rating of a whopping 596 even Brian Mitchell got in on the action. He threw one pass, which was incomplete. Ricky Irvins led the team in rushing with 650 yards on the ground, and Henry Ellard led the receiving corps with 74 catches. Ask yourself, will the Redskins field a better team in 2004, or excuse me, 2019 than what they did in 1994, at least offensively? Will they field a better team than Schuler, Ricky Irvins, and Henry Ellard? Well, let's start with who's your starting quarterback in 2019? The front runners right now, Josh Johnson and Colt McCoy. Josh Johnson will probably be back in camp. I think he has earned that right. He knows the offense. He was able to spark them a little bit at the end of the season. I like Josh Johnson. I don't really like him as a starter. I'd like him as a backup. And then there's the old trusty Colt McCoy, who should be fully healed from his leg fracture. He knows the offense well, too. They look to be your front frontrunner front runners is Teddy Bridgewater a possibility maybe but would he come here if I'm him I wouldn't why would you come here when you're trying to resurrect your career so really you're looking Josh Johnson Colt McCoy and you might be looking at a, a drafted quarterback if they get lucky or if they get crazy and start trading draft picks and they don't have a whole lot of money to spend if you recall, the Alex Smith salary still counts against the cap. It's a, I think it's in the neighborhood of $20.5 million against the cap next year. They're not going to have a lot of financial uh, flexibility. So the idea of bringing in a guy like Joe Flacco is probably not realistic. Let's go to running back. Who's your running back? Well, here you're probably better off than in 1994. Darius Geis will be returning from injury, and you still have Chris Thompson. If the Redskins are smart and are able to retain Adrian Peterson, their running back core will certainly be the strength of the team and will be the focal point. The running back core, along with a relatively good offensive line, as long as they can stay healthy. You still have to like Trent Williams, Brandon Sheriff, Chase Roulier. I even still like Morgan Moses, even though he got flagged a lot. They got to find a left guard. I think Sean Laval's experiment is over. So let's look at the wide receiving court. Do they have anybody that was better than Henry Ellard in 1994 in his 74 catches? Who is your ace in the hole next year at the wide receiver position? Is it going to be Josh Dawson again? Who else would it be? Paul Richardson will be back, but he's not a number one. Will they have a better option in free agency? Again, you have to ask yourself, who would come here and play in this organization under this front office with no quarterback? The answer is probably nobody. Remember, this isn't the early 2000s. The Skins can't outspend everybody and just bring in these old used-to-be's and pay them a lot of money. They can't do that. The only thing that they could do, and the old Dan would have done this, he would make a trade for Antonio Brown. I, I don't know if the Steelers, even in their haste to get rid of Antonio Brown, I don't know if they would banish him to purgatory and send him to Washington. I don't think they'd send him out that way. Even if the Redskins made them their best, made them the best offer, so you're looking at their the receiving core next year probably a lot of the same unless they draft somebody. Maurice Harris, Josh Doxon. So again, '94 was their worst season; they won three games. I know you can't compare eras, you can't compare seasons, but I'm just trying to point out that the Redskins, at least on offense, they look very, very bleak going into 2019. So to definitively answer the question, because you're also looking, if you look at The back end of their defense, their defensive backs, are a huge question mark, especially now that D.J. Swearinger is gone. And Monte Nicholson is probably gone after his uh, arrest in December. Uh, To definitively answer the question, yes, the Redskins have a chance to be the worst team in football next year. The three worst teams this past season, Arizona, Oakland, and Buffalo, all have a much better outlook in 2019. Oakland has a million draft picks, plus they have a franchise quarterback in Derek Carr, who's probably not going anywhere. Uh, Buffalo and Arizona both drafted a quarterback last year. Both of those quarterbacks look like they can play. Uh, Arizona has a new head, or will, will have a new head coach. I don't think they've hired anybody yet. Uh, so who do the Skins hitch their wagon to? Who do they try to get the, the fan base fired up for? Darius Geis and his reconstructed knee. I mean, I like Darius Geis. I look forward to watching him play if he can stay healthy. I look forward to watching the offensive line play if they can stay healthy. I love watching the Redskins front four or front three, whatever you want to call it, Deron Payne, John Allen, Matt Ioannidis. That's not enough, guys. It's not enough. Offense has found a way to neutralize that front seven in the second half of the season. They're going to be able to do it again, especially when you have Josh Norman's probably gone You've got nobody in the corner position, really, uh, except Dunbar. Your safeties are a big question mark. I mean, do you bring back Clinton Dix? Who who knows? He didn't have a good... As soon as he got traded here, he didn't have a good season. There's so many holes to fill. I mean, the Redskins have all their draft picks. They get a third-round compensatory pick for Kirk Cousins. There's so many holes to fill. But I think it's pretty safe to say that they're going to be one. It's going to be a dark season in 2019, and the the outlook over the next 5 years is is not much better so you ask yourself you know a, a kind of a supplemental question to that what would bail the redskins out what would bail their fans out of this perpetual misery the only two things right now that i can see would be if the redskins get lucky in the draft with a transcendent player at an impact position if they found a pat mahomes and utilized him in the right way Uh, They could kind of speed up their recovery. But that's a long shot. And an even longer shot would be the only other thing that could potentially rescue the Redskins from their just misery is if Dan Snyder gets fed up and cashes out. That's it. Those two options. Because you're not going to get top flight free agents because smart free agents and smart agents of those free agents are not going to let their players come here. And this team's drafted pretty well, but this team's issues cannot be fixed in one draft. I don't even know if they can be fixed in two drafts. The Alex Smith contract will continue to be a heavy weight around the salary cap. So all I can say is hail to the Redskins. I will continue to root for them, but my expectations going into 2019 are as low as they have been pre-RG3. Uh this is as bad as it was when Vinny Serato was fired, if not worse. And there's really no end in sight, in my opinion. Didn't mean to bring you guys down. But speaking of bringing bring you guys down, let's well let's talk about DMV Sports Network first for just a minute. DMV Sports Network.com. Uh great local DC sports website, up and coming. Bunch of young guys just putting out great content, putting out great content about The local sports teams, whether it's professional, college, great podcasts covering a range of topics. Give them a listen. Give them a look. Go to dmvsportsnetwork.com. Also, follow them on Twitter, at dmv underscore sn. You can follow us on Twitter. It's about time, DC1. That's ITS, about time, DC1, uh, on Twitter. Give us a follow. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Also, subscribe to us uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Rate us. Let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you guys. We we are back in 2019. We missed one week. But we are back and we're going to keep rolling. Uh, Josh will be back next Monday and we'll be back hopefully consistently uh, moving forward. We've got a lot to talk about. It's going to be great. We're going to be getting into baseball season soon, which is our bread and butter. Uh, we're going to be getting into caps, hopefully playoff hockey, looking like playoff hockey. I don't think it has to be hopefully anymore. That also is Josh's wheelhouse so we'll have March Madness coming up, I and mean, we've got a lot to cover, man. It's going to be a great uh, NFL playoffs. We'll talk about that on Monday. I don't really want to get into it. This I, We'll talk about it on Monday with Josh, but I'm looking forward to it. But let's talk about something a bit more pleasant. The Nationals. Nats made a move today, solidifying their second base position, at least for 2019. They signed Brian Dozier to a one-year, $9 million deal. There are no team options in this deal. It is a flat one-year, $9 million deal. The only wrinkle to the deal is that $2 million of the $9 million is deferred. It's kind of the learner's MO. They They do like to defer a lot of money. So let's look at it. Over the last few weeks, the Nationals have added now Brian Dozier to fill their second base hole. They added Annabelle Sanchez to be their fourth starter, and they brought Matt Adams back to be the power-hitting lefty off the bench, but a guy that's probably going to play a lot of first base as well. The Nats have had a very productive and, in my opinion, impactful offseason. They were staring at an offseason when they left after a disappointing 2018. They were staring at an offseason where the Braves were much better, the Phillies were much better, and the Nats were looking at a potentially three, if not four-horse race in the National League East. I mean, if you want to count the Mets, who have made a lot of moves. I don't know if I like a lot of the moves, but we're not going to talk about the Mets tonight. The Nats have made impactful signings in areas of need. They have made their team better. I think that they have made smart signings. Some people say that they overpaid a little bit for Patrick Corbin, but beyond that, I think that they have made smart signings. They did not sit idly by. Uh, And let other teams gobble up free agents They have been, if not the most aggressive One of the most aggressive teams in free agency And they have made their team significantly better From the team that they fielded in 2018 As a recap, they have added Kurt Suzuki, Patrick Corbin, Matt Adams And Annabelle Sanchez in free agency And they have also traded for Jan Gomes From Cleveland And it sounds like they're not quite done there has been talk that they're still tied to some of the top free agents out there, Dallas Keuchel being one of them. If they go out and sign a Dallas Keuchel, it tells me that the learners are all in for the next 3 years. It tells me that they don't care about salary for the next 3 years, they're just all in. I don't I think that's a long shot. I don't I think they're going to roll with the top 4 that they have, which is Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, and now Annabelle Sanchez, and then you have a a battle for the 5th spot. Most likely between Eric Fetty and Joe Ross. Their lineup looks to be pretty. I think you're probably locked and loaded. I don't think there's any I don't think you have room for anybody else really. If you go across the diamond, first base, you're looking at Ryan Zimmerman, probably going to be playing 60, 70% of the games. Matt Adams will be playing the rest. Second base is now Brian Dozier with backups of Wilmer Defoe and Howie Kendrick. Trey Turner at short. Anthony Rendon at third. And then you've got Suzuki and Gomes, who will be be catching. And then your outfield, this is your bread and butter, in my opinion. Juan Soto in left field. Victor Robles in center. And Adam Eaton in right. They've added to their bullpen as well. They traded for Kyle Baraclaw. They signed Trevor Rosenthal. I forgot to add him to the free agent list. The team has significantly upgraded themselves. There are two... Big free agents still out there. The two big ones, Machado and Harper. There's been a lot of talk that the Nats are still a favorite to sign uh, Harper. I don't see that being the case unless they're just going to blow up their salary projections for the next few years. I don't see that being the case. There was a rumor that Scott Boris met with Ted Lerner, the older Lerner who is no longer the the managing owner of the Nationals, uh, they old friends, I guess, and the word is that Boris came out of there with a new offer from the Nationals more than the three hundred million that was offered initially. I'm not sure I buy that. I think that Ted Lerner was probably doing Scott Boris a favor was doing Kurt or not Kurt I' almost Kurt Suzuki was doing Bryce Harper a favor by letting them go out and tell other teams to try to stir up a little bit more action. I think the Nats have moved on from Bryce Harper. I think that they understand that their money can be better spent elsewhere and that they understand that their outfield is just fine without Bryce. I think Dozier coming in with his power helps replace some of the power that they lost, that they're losing with Bryce going off. And I think Soto's only going to get better. Robles is only going to get better. You have Eaton, who has a full off season where he's been healthy. You've got to feel pretty good about your offense going into 2019. Uh, the rumors about Machado is it it's down to the Philadelphia Phillies and the Chicago White Sox. That'll would be that be interesting to watch. It's possible that he could sign by this weekend, and if so, we'll be able to talk about that on Monday. Speaking of Brian Dozier, his numbers last year, he had 21 home runs between uh, Minnesota and the Dodgers. He had 21 home runs, 72 RBIs, and 12 stolen bases. He did only bat 215. In 2017... He had 34 home runs while batting 271. If last year was Dozer's basement, which is 21 homers, 72 RBIs, 12 steals, then that's might have slightly overpaid, but I think at $9 million, it's pretty good. You know, they did pretty good. If that's his basement, they are, in my opinion, hoping for and paying for the potential of him returning to what he was from 2014 to 2017, where he averaged 34 home runs and about 80 RBIs a season. He was also the Gold Glove second baseman in the American League in 2017, so they have certainly upgraded their defense at second base. Considering he's going to bat 7th or 8th for the Nats, they have added much-needed power to their lineup. They have lengthened their lineup. It was a nice signing. The big thing that I wanted to talk about when it came to the Nats is that Ken Rosenthal today in The Athletic reported that Rendon, Anthony Rendon is looking for a deal similar if he's looking to sign long-term. With the Nats, he's looking to for a deal similar to the deal that Jose Altuve signed in 2018 with the Astros prior to the 2018 season, which was seven years and an average salary of around $23.5 million per year. Now, I had this a conversation with a couple of my cousins earlier today. Rendon is not Altuve. Altuve is a former MVP, one of the best players in baseball. Rendon is a very very good player in my opinion he's a top three third baseman in all of baseball he's a cornerstone that you can build your team around to say that you would compare him to Altuve is not necessarily fair but you also have to remember Altuve took a bit of a hometown discount he wanted to stay in Houston and in 2019 dollar terms at $23.5 million for a perennial uh, solid player like Anthony Rendon I think the Nats shouldn't negotiate with Rendon. I think that they should go right in and sign him if they can. Just say, hey, if that's what you want, that's what we're going to give you. Anthony Rendon should be the where they invest their money. If you look at it, he is your cornerstone along with Juan Soto, Victor Robles, and Trey Turner when you come to position players for the next four years. You got to get him. I mean, his season in 2018, for Anthony Rendon, he batted .308, 24 homers, 92 RBIs, had a nine oh nine OPS. He had a 4.2 war. He's just perennial, perennially one of the best players in the National League. And uh, the last three years, he's played an average of about 143 games a year. He's a guy you want to keep. They call him Tony Two-Bags. The last two years, he's gone 41 and 44 doubles. Uh, he finished 6th in the MVP voting in 2017. He finished 11th in 2018. The guy's a stud. Lock him up. I say forget about this talk uh, of you know these pipe dreams about bringing Harper back. If you're going to invest money, save a little bit of money and get a guy who produces just about as well as Bryce Harper does. Anthony Rendon may not put as many butts in the seats, but he's the guy I think you got to invest in. I know I beat that drum a lot, but I love Anthony Rendon, and I think the Nats would be doing themselves a disservice if they didn't resign him, extend him to a long-term deal, make him a long-term Nat. Finally, regarding the Nationals, you really got to ask yourself, has Mike Rizzo made any bad moves this offseason since the season ended? My answer to you is no. I asked Josh that earlier, and what he told me was, in his mind, he should have fired Davey Martinez. In my mind, Rizzo probably at some point late in the season had to go to his veterans. A guy like Max Scherzer who's going to be 35 here in 2019 or Ryan Zimmerman who's certainly in the twilight of his career. He had to go to to guys like that. And he had to probably get the thumbs up on Davy Martinez because Rizzo has a luxury automobile of a team. You know, that was the that was the I guess the metaphor that people used. When he gave a juggernaut of a team to Matt Williams, is that you turned over a Ferrari to a novice driver. And that could be said last year with Davey Martinez. I mean, you had a team that was favored to win a division. They were, you know, one of the World Series favorites in the National League, and you gave it to an unproven guy who had never managed in his career. But you've invested a season in Davey. I think Davey showed. Great progress, took a lot of uh, great strides in 2018, and I have to imagine that he got the endorsement of some of the veterans in the clubhouse to make Rizzo say, We're going to stick with him for another year. Beyond that, I think Rizzo has had a fantastic offseason. He has gone out and aggressively filled all the holes. Uh, The only real question moving into 2019 now is can Davey Martinez steer this ship and help them realize their full potential? That remains to be seen, but I have a very good feeling about this national season. And I look forward to it, man. I can't wait. You know, pitchers and catchers report in, what, about five weeks? We had opening day in just under uh, two months. I'm looking forward to all of it, man. My season tickets are locked and loaded. I'm ready to do it. Anyway, that's all I have. Again, you know, just me tonight, and it's a little bit of a shorter podcast than usual. But I appreciate you guys listening. Uh as a reminder, we are affiliated with the DMV Sports Network.com. That is DMV Sports Network.com. They can be followed on Twitter at DMV underscore SN. You can follow us on Twitter. It's about time DC One. That is ITS About Time DC One. Uh, let us know what you think. Let us know how you, how you feel. And ask us some questions. If you want to post some questions going into uh our regularly, we're going to get back to our regular schedule next week, recording Monday night releasing Tuesday morning. If you have questions over the weekend, shoot, us, shoot them to us on Twitter and we will be sure to answer them. We're also going to go into the details of our weight loss competition that we'll be starting on Monday. But anyway, that's all I've got for you guys tonight. Thank you very much for listening. So subscribe to our podcast and we will see you guys next week. Have a great weekend.